Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership, insight, and advice. Welcome to She Leads Podcast, leadership empowerment for women of color. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, a mother, businesswoman, and leader. Our guest for today is Stephanie Espy. Stephanie Espy is a part of the 19% of women who has earned a bachelor's degree in engineering, as well as the 3% of minority women who have been awarded a bachelor's degree in engineering. Stephanie earned a BS in chemical engineering from MIT, a MS in chemical engineering from UC Berkeley, and an MBA from Emory University. Stephanie has felt the gender gap firsthand, having sat in classrooms and worked in industries where she could count on one hand the number of women in the room. Fortunately for Stephanie, she grew up with strong STEM influence. Both of her parents are engineers. Two of her three siblings have STEM degrees. Her uncles, aunts, and cousins are scientists, programmers, engineers, and mathematicians. She has been lucky to have so many role models within her reach. Stephanie believes STEM isn't about having a special brain, nor does it come from a life of privilege. STEM is simply an exposure to what is possible, an internal belief that anyone can be a STEM gem, even you. Stephanie worked as a chemical engineer for BP in various capacities to solve real-world problems, including creating models to interpret gas dispersion, experimental data, and describe the impact of potential gas explosion by wind speed direction and other factors. She used metabolic engineering techniques in various rubber-producing plants housed at the United States Department of Agriculture to improve the quality and yield of natural rubber grown in the U.S. She also founded MathSP Academic and Test Prep Coaching to empower the next generation of STEM leaders by imparting STEM fluency, which is the ability to problem solve, think critically and logically, and apply theory and innovate to Georgia's students. Stephanie is a noted speaker at schools, organizations, and conferences to empower girls and young women to explore options within STEM and adopt role models for encouragement and inspiration. In addition, Stephanie is also a Porsche Driving Force Award honoree. Without further ado, Leadership Empowerment with Stephanie S.B. Okay, so Stephanie, I read your bio and I want to say I love the concept of your company taking the charge to build and equip our youth in STEM is really awesome. So congrats to you. Oh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. No problem. So Stephanie, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be a guest on She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. We appreciate you blessing us with your insight today. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for inviting me on the show and happy to to share what I've learned as a leader. Awesome. Okay, so now let's talk about leadership. I myself feel that every person is a leader in one shape or form, whether they realize it or not. Would you agree, Stephanie? I agree 100%, actually. I think the word leadership is really broad and you can define it, you know, as someone who sort of in a take charge or in a role where there's someone else following, whether it be one person or 
a million people. I don't really think that leadership is only reserved for corporate America, only for, you know, the government or what have you. I feel that in our daily lives, whether we're leading in our homes, leading in our schools and our communities, no matter how large or small the audience, I think that we all have in some way served as a leader and really continue to do so in our daily lives. Thank you. Yes, I totally agree. Okay. So Stephanie, can you tell us when you realized you were a leader and what or who helped you to come to this realization? Yeah, I think that for me, when I realized I was a leader was probably in middle school, high school. If you ask my parents, they will probably tell you I exhibited leadership qualities much, much earlier than then. And it's interesting because I have a four-year-old daughter and I already feel like she's a very strong leader. (laughs) Whether she realizes or not, that little girl is definitely a natural born leader. But I think that I realized it for myself in middle school and high school when I started being the person that the other, my other classmates, peers would come to for different things. And when you realize people are coming to you and asking for your help and asking for your advice, that's when you sort of realize that you're a leader. And so, and then in high school, I really took that and did more with it. I was in different clubs, organizations where I ran for office. By the time I was a senior in high school, I was senior class president. So I led my entire class of 300 plus students you know, in our last year of high school and still continue to this day, you know, involved with class reunions and things like that. But I think for me, it was back then that I sort of realized, huh, people come to me for, you know, for help. They have questions. I can help them. They're looking to me for direction and guidance and advice. And so that's when I sort of realized. And I think it was really a combination of my parents and teachers who help me identify that or just pointed it out or put me in different positions where I could be a leader. And it was actually later on that my father said to me, you know, I think you should really consider, you know, a business degree, an MBA, because I think you have, you know, really strong leadership skills. I can see you leading an organization, leading a large number of people, being a transformative person in, in the community. So he put that on my radar much, much earlier than I actually decided to go to business school. At the time, I was studying engineering, but, you know, it was back in my mind, hmm, maybe I'll one day consider, you know, combining the engineering degree with, you know, business degree for that reason. That's awesome. Yes. Thanks to your dad for that. Okay. In my upcoming book, The Code of Leadership, The If-Then Process, I outline my experiences and lessons that have helped me to become a better leader with the intention on helping others do the same. Stephanie, can you share what you would consider to be your code of leadership and why? I'm not so sure I even have called it a code of leadership. For me, it's all about being authentic, being your authentic self. I think that I've done better as a leader when I haven't been so intentional about it or I've been more authentic about it. And so I think when you are leading a group that you're passionate about, that you're your true authentic self, You'll, you'll reap the benefits of that. You'll, it'll feel right. You'll be in the right place, in the right you know, room with the right people doing things that you care about. If you're trying to do something where you're not genuinely passionate about it or you're not something that you know, you're doing just for the name of doing it, just for the title of doing it, then it's going to be unauthentic. It's not going to feel right. 
is going to start showing, I think. So in my life, I've just done things that I've been passionate about. I've stepped up in way, in places that I felt passionate about what I was doing. I've served on boards, what I felt passionate about the board, the service that, you know, the board and organization were doing. And I've been just my authentic self because I have believed in the mission, the goals, the values that, you know, whatever I'm doing, you know, has in place. And I think if you're just, if you know, the golden rule is just to be authentic and be who you are, then you're never really a go wrong with, at least with that path that you're taking. And then I think it's also really important in terms of a code uh, is to treat people really the way that you want to be treated. Treat people no matter who you're talking to with respect. Treat people like they are your family, like they are, you know, someone that you admire because you don't know. Everyone has their own story. You don't know people's stories. You don't know where they've come from. You don't know what they've been through. And it's just the right thing to do. And I think that if you go into a room with your authentic self, treat people with respect, you value their input and their opinions, then people will, again, look to you, you know, as a desired person leaving the the group. So that's sort of what I have tried to do is really just be authentic, be passionate, and always treat people with respect. Okay, thank you. Those are great codes to follow for any leader. I appreciate that. Okay, so I believe all leaders experience failure. I myself, I don't like to consider them failures. I like to consider them lessons, take more of an optimistic view. But Stephanie, can you share your view on failure and what it means to you? Yeah, I think I agree with what you said. And, you know, you see, you hear lots of people like Oprah Winfrey and Will Smith talking about failure. And, you know, these are people that, you know, because of the level of success, have inevitably experienced a certain degree of failure. And I like looking at failure as just a learning tool. It's really just something saying, do something different or go a different path or keep trying. So I think you have to interpret what's deemed a failure in the right way. It's like, okay, should I just keep trying and keep at it and keep at it and keep at it? And if I keep at it, then, you know, I'll get there. Or is this something trying to turn me in a different direction altogether? Maybe this wasn't the right path for me. Maybe I should try a different path. I think that really depends on what it is that you're dealing with. And in some cases, to keep going is the best answer. In other cases, to use that as a way to shift gears and turn directions is the answer. But I think on my life, I've looked back at things that didn't go the way I wanted them to go. And one thing that I realized that has become comfortable with rejection. I think rejection is there to teach us a lot. We're not, we can't expect to always be told yes, 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 yes for everything that we do or ask for. I think that's something that the earlier you can learn that, the better, you know, the better. Like I say, even with my own daughter before, she can't get everything she wants. She has to learn that life is not about getting, hearing yeses all the time. And I think the sooner we realize that it's okay to be told no, rejection is okay, is what you do with that that makes the difference. And that was a pretty hard lesson for me because I feel like early on in my life, I wasn't told no very much. I, everything I put my mind to, I, I did it, I got it, I want it, whatever it may be. And so it was probably 
in my early 20s that I started to kind of, for the first time, not everything was happening according to plan. And I had to, you know, learn that that was okay. And when you fall, you get back up and then you assess and figure out what direction to go and keep trying or do something different. I like to look at it the way you described it, which is it's not a failure is there for a reason. If you're a spiritual person and you believe in God, like I do, then you know that it's part of your plan anyway for being on this world, in the world. And and I try to look at it that way. Okay. Thanks for that. Yes, I totally agree with you. And as you were talking, it made me think of my four-year-old son and our battles with understanding no and accepting no. So I, I totally understand exactly what you mean. Okay. So Stephanie, can you share one time you failed as a leader and what you learned from that experience that helped you to become a better leader? Specifically, let me try to think the last time I failed, probably just yesterday, the day before. <laughs> like, you know, you know, failures, again, come in all shapes and sizes. There have to be a huge failure. But I mean, yes. I make a lot of mistakes and mistakes. You could, you know, equate failure to a mistake. You know, I think maybe when you are working with other people, you're training other people, you're hiring other people, you're employing them. It's important to train them and kind of groom them. I've, I've had a few that didn't work out, a few people that I've worked with that didn't work out. And I could look at that as a failure because I didn't see something or I didn't, you know, take the time to do something that I should have done with that person ahead of time. So in cases where things don't work out, you know, you have a lot of time and investment that is wasted. You could look at it that way. Oh, I wasted so much time and investment in this person or, in, or into this project. Or you can look at it as like, you know what, now I know for the next time, <laughs> you know, look for these key traits or ask these key questions or think about it this way as opposed to that way or make sure you do this, you know, and, and don't take the shortcut. So I think that, you know, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, with people and without people actually, but when I'm, there's a season of time where I'm spending a lot of time with people, especially people that I'm looking to hire and making sure I get the right people is a part, is a huge part of what I do. And that has sometimes, you know, led to quote unquote failures. And I've had to take that and learn from it and make sure that the next time I improve my criteria or, you know, what I'm looking for, make sure that is crystal clear for me. So I'm not, you know, I'm making sure that I'm doing the best thing for me as well as for my clients as well. Yes, I totally agree with that. Thanks for sharing. Okay, so Stephanie, do you feel it's easier, harder, or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneur ecosystem, and why? Well, I don't know what it's like to be a man. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say it's easier or harder or the same, but I do know that definitely when you look at women in leadership roles and women in STEM careers like myself, it is very, very few. The ratio is definitely not equal. And I think that sometimes that can be intimidating. It could be, it could lead to some challenges because as a female leader, you are one of the few in the room or the few at the table. And I think for a lot of women, it's challenging to have a voice or a voice you feel that is equal to your male counterparts. And so that could be absolutely challenging, especially initially making sure that you are heard and that your voice is strong and that your peer, male peers and counterparts are 
respecting what you have to offer. And so in that regard, yeah, I think that presents a challenge. And there's all sorts of examples of women and issues that they face in the workplace, especially in the male-dominated careers. I always like to look at things as what's the opportunity here? So if I'm one of few women in the room, then how can I take advantage of that? That actually puts me in a position of power because my perspective may be vastly different from everyone else's. So I think if you walk into a space like that or enter to a room where, you know, you may be in that situation, that you look at it positively and you look at it as my presence here is absolutely necessary because if I wasn't in the room, there would be no other woman here to represent, you know, that half of the population. So I try to look at things differently as opportunities as opposed to, oh, you know, let me just sit back and be quiet because they don't really care what I have to say. It doesn't really matter. They're not going to listen. You know, I try to look at it in a positive light. And then as issues come along and things happen and you experience maybe some, you know, stereotyping going on, some biases going on, some maybe lack of respect going on, then you deal with those as they come and, you know, make sure that you do deal with them and not just brush them under the rug. But initially, I like to approach a situation with a positive attitude and knowing that I'm not going to shy away from this. I'm not going to be in the back of the room where no one can see me or hear me. I'm going to make sure that I have a strong presence in that room, whether I'm the only female or in a room full of females. I think it's important to do that. Thank you. I totally agree. Yes. Use challenges as opportunities to make a change and make your presence known. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. So productivity is a hot topic right now, as it should be. Many people want to know how to do more with less and be efficient. As a successful leader, this is a must. Stephanie, do you have any productivity tips to share with our listeners? Yeah, I think that I am most productive when I am tuned out of social media. (laughs) I think that day and age, you know, we live right next to our phones. Our phones are attached to our hips. And any ding or sound on our phone, it's like, oh, let me put this down and see what it is. And I think to be productive, you really have to go back, you know, 20 years ago when we didn't have any of these things around us. And I think for me, it's okay, if I'm going to sit down and say I'm giving my undivided attention to this project or whatever I'm doing, I'm going to put my phone away, possibly turn off the ringer. I'm going to make sure I'm in an environment where I don't have any distractions because otherwise you can, a whole day can go by and you could have done very little of what you said you were going to do. And I think just being realistic, there are plenty of days where I don't accomplish what my goals were for that day. And so I have to prioritize and say, okay, I need to do these two or three things, absolutely a must. And then if I get these other things, great. If I don't, not a big deal. And so I'm really the type of person that has to brainstorm my day ahead of time, write things down, prioritize certain things over others, schedule things that really have to happen, give it a time, block off the time so I don't have anything else that conflicts and really stick to that. So I'm a calendar person. So I get up and that's the first thing I do is look at the calendar. What do I have going on today that it's 
absolutely necessary and concrete. And then I don't let anything get in the way. I think it's just a matter of not letting things slip in, especially when you have blocked off your calendar and certain things scheduled. It's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to get off task. So easy to be on one, reading something on some website and then, you know, something getting your attention and sending you somewhere else. And next thing you know, you're sidetracked. I think it's just getting rid of all those little instigators that say, hey, come, you know, come over here, do this, do that. (laughs) The best way to do that, I think the more productive you'll be. And so I think that's what that really works for me. And I think, again, the key thing for me is just writing things down and prioritizing, blocking off on my calendar, what has to get done that day. And then having a stretch in case I get those things done, then I can do these other things. But if I don't do other things, it's okay as well, because I still gotten done what was most important. Okay. Thanks for that. I totally agree. Learning how to limit distractions. That is one of my pain points as well. And keeping a list definitely helps with that. Thanks for sharing. Okay. So Stephanie, can you share an experience that either blessed or challenged your leadership and what the outcome or takeaway that you learned was? I think... Oftentimes when you're collaborating on different projects and you're working with people who are not your direct reports or in your organization or, you know, in your daily life and you're working kind of across cross disciplines or people at different places and parts of, you know, related to what you do, but a different respect and having to come together, that can often be challenging. And I've done several events and things where I've worked with people in different walks of life, different parts of, you know, looking at a problem from different vantage points and us coming together, creating almost like a task force to accomplish a goal. In that respect, you have, you know, a room full of leaders, a room full of your peers, your equals in different places that come together to try to do something. And initially, that can be very difficult because everyone has a different leadership style and their respective organization. They are, you know, somewhat on your same level. And so it comes a challenge of deciding how, you know, who's going to lead this now group of equals or how do you do that where everyone, again, has the input that they desire. And so I can think of instances where I've done that, whether it be on a board or planning something for a community event or what have you and coming together with people in across disciplines or cross industries or same industry, but different organizations in the same industry and having to collaborate to accomplish a goal. And I think that there's an opportunity to that and a lot of momentum behind that sort of collaboration. But there's also could be a lot of challenges, especially if no clear ground rules or no clear structure. So one thing that I advocate in a situation like that before you really start hitting the ground running is creating that structure and making sure that you understand what each person's sort of role is in the collaboration, so to speak. So I feel like structure, when you have a a group of leaders together or people who are working towards a common goal, there has to be some sort of structure. So whether you rotate that, the rotating type of thing where each time you meet, there's a different person taking the lead or, or running the meeting or what have you, or whether you have you know just different responsibilities that you maintain throughout the project, it's important to be on the same page. And that's something that I've learned is 
always important to be on the same page from the very beginning and kind of preemptively prevent, you know, things from happening that could happen down the line without those measures being in place from the beginning. Okay, thanks for that. So I heard you say collaboration can be a challenge, but having structure is a way to help overcome those challenges. So thank you. Okay, so Stephanie, can you offer our listeners the best advice you have as a leader or have ever received from a leader and how you've implemented it into your life? Sure. This kind of goes back to something I've already said, but I remember sitting down with a mentor and this is a woman who runs a chain of restaurants in this region. And by virtue of running a restaurant, her employees have to show up at you know, 3, 4 a.m. to get ready for the breakfast crowd. And they're there super early. They're doing a lot of grunt work, like cleaning and washing dishes and, you know, things, minimum wage type of jobs. And there's really a lot of, believe it or not, there's a lot of competition for those types of roles, like kitchen type roles in a restaurant. You could easily leave one restaurant and go down the street to the next restaurant and make the same amount of money and do the same type of thing. So what this person told me that I will never forget was, you know, how she's able to keep her staff. She's had the same staff for years, which is unheard of in her industry, the restaurant industry. And the fact that she's kept her employees happy and engaged for year after year after year after year, even with minimum raises, is a really a testament to her leadership style. And the key thing that she told me was that she makes sure that she not just respects each person, but gets to know each person, treats each person like a person. Now, regardless of your income, she was clearly the boss of that restaurant and several other restaurants. And they were clearly at the bottom of the totem pole, being dishwashers and cleaners and cooks, things like that. But she treated them as if they were her equal. She got to know them, got to know their family, got to know their kids, really just knew so much about them that if they ever had a thought of leaving or going somewhere else, and this industry was a huge not a lot of turnover, then they could easily just talk to her about whatever was going on, ask for a raise or ask for a bonus or ask for some time off or ask for that help because they felt so comfortable with her and working for her. So that really resonated with me because at that point in my life when I was just starting to hire people and training people and, you know, sort of similarly have employees, it was important for me to understand how to treat them, make sure I get to know them, make sure that I know more than just, you know, what's on their resume, but I get to know them as individuals and that will prevent a lot of turnover, but it also will make sure that everyone's happy on the same page comfortable speaking up and sharing things. And so it just creates more of a familial type of environment, which is really, really important in certain businesses. So that's sort of the best advice of advice. I just really remember her sharing that with, with me about 10 years ago, maybe longer. And just that resonating with me as I pursue my entrepreneurship endeavors. And I think what really resonate with people listening in today as well. Awesome. Yes, I totally agree with that. I actually touch on those topics in my book. That is so very important. And whether people realize it or not, people stay more for those reasons as opposed to for monetary reasons. Okay. So Stephanie, you made it to the finish line. How do you feel? (laughs) 
pretty good. <laughs> good, good. Well, I want to thank you again for being my guest on She Leads podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. But before we part, do you want to give our listeners your contact information or mention any events, products, services, or ventures that they would benefit from knowing about? Sure. Well, you can always connect with me through social media, whether it be LinkedIn, Stephanie SB, or whether it be Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Stem Gems Book. And also, of course, through my website, stemgemsbook.com, as well as mathsp.com. And so I'm happy that you invited me here today, and I look forward to hopefully engaging with some of the listeners. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Stephanie, thank you. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. I really enjoyed this interview with Stephanie. I love how Stephanie chooses to treat all people with dignity and respect. Her advice to treat every individual as if they were someone you admire is the epitome of being a successful leader. As people climb towards success, it can be easy to acquire an air of superiority. Yet Stephanie chooses to be the exact opposite, which I admire. We are all humans and deserving of the same respect, yet this does not always happen. I'm glad that Stephanie is taking this charge personally in her life. I can relate to Stephanie's technical background and desire to see more women in STEM fields. I am not a chemical engineer. However, I did get my bachelor's degree in computer science, which falls under STEM. I totally agree with Stephanie that STEM is an underrepresented area for women especially women of color. And I hope to see this trend continue to change over time. As STEM continues to be increasingly important in society, I hope more girls and women gravitate to this industry for the goal of equal representation. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. My key takeaway for this week is Stephanie's advice to become comfortable with rejection. I don't know anyone that wants to be rejected, but I can understand the concept of becoming comfortable with it, especially as you step outside of the box and try new things. As Stephanie stated, you are not always going to hear yes to everything you desire. Rejection is okay. The sooner you get comfortable with the word no, the more risks you are willing to take. I'm going to deliberately seek out opportunities to hear the word no. What's the worst that could happen besides being rejected? At least I know that I tried. And now we have Nicole Walker's Leadership Challenge of the Week. My leadership challenge for you would be to think about the one thing you can take away from this episode and adopt into your life. I know it's hard to absorb too much information at one time, and it's even harder to try and implement too many changes at once. When I attend trainings or listen to podcasts, I aim to walk away with at least one thing that stuck out to me and one way that I can change as a result. I challenge you to do the same. If you decide to take me up on my challenge, I would love to know about your key takeaway. If you care to share, please go to my blog at NicoleWalker.net and leave your comment under the section for today's episode, which is Leadership Empowerment with Stephanie Espy. Thanks, and until next time, be empowered and empower on.